going on, friends, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and side hustlers? Today's Seven Figures Club episode brings you Mickey Kennedy, who believes that with some effort and a little money, the possibilities are endless. He is an expert at helping small businesses, authors, and startups, basically our entire community, uh, increase their visibility and credibility. These are important services that if you don't have a strong web presence and online credibility, when someone Googles your name or your business name, you need to be paying attention to this. It's more important than ever in 2023. Mickey, by the way, founded e-releases uh, 24 years ago. So he's been doing this over two decades after realizing that small businesses really needed to understand how press release services work how they can be affordable and give you access to the media and to a national newswire. Uh, he does this all with personal touch. He holds an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry from George Mason University. His press releases have resulted in articles being published on the Wall Street Journal, one of my favorites, CNN, Bloomberg, and many more prestigious news outlets. He lives in Baltimore County with his family and two feuding cats enjoys british science fiction and acknowledges an unhealthy addiction to diet sodas that diet coke or diet pepsi uh coke zero ah coke zero good call yeah i always think uh, coke is superior to pepsi so that's it's good to hear that you definitely agree with that mickey good to hear there are over 32 million businesses in the u.s and over 90 percent of them will never break seven figures in annual sales so how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Well, Mickey, we love to find out more about your background. Uh, you usually begin these episodes. And what was it that led you towards entrepreneurship, number one? And number two, uh, the importance of PR releases and how effective that can be. Right. So uh, I graduated with an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. I just assumed I'd be waiting tables the rest of my life and writing poetry uh -oh. in the evenings. And uh uh, it didn't work out that way. I did a summer after graduating of waiting tables, and I realized that being on your feet 10 to 12 hours a day, concrete was killing my ankles, yeah. my legs. Oh, yeah. And it was just exhausting, you know, just staying on top of so many people anticipating their needs. My mind was so on that at the end of the shifts, I was spent. I was not reading, I wasn't writing, and I've realized I probably needed a safe office job. So I got a job with a telecom research startup and I was employee number three. And they said, uh, you're the writer. We need you to write press releases and send them to the media. And so I did that and I realized what the media responded to. We published a lot of data and numbers. Uh, it was, you know, uh, sort of like not very sexy, but behind the numbers were interesting stories. And so I would ask the other two people that work there who are pulling the numbers, why is one Caribbean country generating more, uh, uh, you know, inbound traffic from the US than all other countries combined. And they were like one nine hundred numbers. And I was like, there's a story there. So I would flesh out these little interesting quirks in the telecom world using numbers and uh, would put together press releases. And basically I would give the genesis of what a 
cool story was and send it to the media. And we got picked up everywhere. Financial Times, The Economist, Washington Post, all the big publications, as well as specialty telecom um, uh, you know, trade publications. And so uh, I uh, saw a trend where we were doing faxing and a lot of the journalists were asking if I could just email them going forward. And I, you know, thought email was a natural progression, uh, mentioned it to my boss and he said, Hey, there could be a business there. You should explore it. And so I spent about a year, uh, you know, when I wasn't working at the startup, because that was like 50, 60 hours a week, um, reaching out to journalists and asking them if I could, uh, email them press releases when I launched. And about a year later, I had 10,000 journalists and I launched e-releases and, uh, it's just sort of grown organically and, and very naturally since then. Um, over time, we started sending stuff over the wire through PR Newswire and, uh, you know, they they liked that we served small businesses and entrepreneurs and people that normally they didn't serve. And uh, I really defended the price points that they had to be a lot smaller than what they were charging because they charged like $1,200 for a 500 word press release to go out nationally. And we were able to work it out so that uh, our prices are still very affordable and they're cheaper than going directly to the wire. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really cool because we work with these companies that normally wouldn't be able to get the access of, of going over the wire without spending, you know, so much more money. And it really does create a huge opportunity for leverage uh, by being able to, to utilize a wire if you have this, a strategic message to send out. Exactly right. And and so I think some business owners uh, may be aware of, of some of these services. You mentioned, uh, uh, you know, PR, was it uh, Newswire? Is that what you said? Correct. Yep. PR Newswire is the uh, oldest and largest Newswire of press yeah. releases. There's not a lot of them anymore. There's been consolidation. Yeah. So in the US, it's PR Newswire, Business Wire, or Globe Newswire. And, and that's it. There's a lot of other companies out there with wire in their name, but they're not real wires, uh, you know, like uh, set up as a wire to 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 feed the way that the other ones do. Um, so it, there there is a learning curve trying to figure out the noise that's out there. Um, but we do a really good job of educating our clients and, you know, letting them know about the opportunities that exist with PR, because, uh, you know, a lot of people just assume that, uh, you, you know, getting articles written about you is very difficult and it doesn't have to be if you have a strategic message and you're saying something in a way that the media responds to. Um, so many of the press releases we get are, we have a new hire at the company and it's not really strategic it's news. not really news. Yeah. Right. And so, so, you might so get a what, local... what's a good example of something that that's going to get attention that's going to build credibility. This podcast audience is a lot of small business owners, uh, even some startups out there, and they're looking for ways to grow. They know they need to have more of a web presence when someone Googles them online. And I know there's obviously a lot of benefit to, to that. So what, what should they be thinking about in terms of what a good news story would be that number one, actually is going to get clicks and, and be interesting. And, and number two, is likely to, to rank in Google as well. Right, so I think that uh, anything where you're sharing your story and your journey and make it as Stories. interesting 
as yeah. as possible. Um, you know, what what is your story? Uh, you know, what are the obstacles you overcame? You know, be vulnerable, share the the the, the warts and ugly stuff that happened as you grew. Um, I had one client that had a really funny story about uh, having to cancel Thanksgiving and uh, spend the whole family in the garage putting boxes together to send out that that Monday when uh, the mail opened back up uh, because they had just gotten slammed with orders. And we shared wow. that in a press release and um, Inc. Magazine picked it up and that was the lead mm. to an article about them. And, you know, the reason is these are stories that entrepreneurs can identify with. And, you know, there are things that we've been through. And so many of my clients sort of have an imposter syndrome where they feel they don't matter and that the media wouldn't be interested in them and that they're only interested in large companies. But the truth is journalists don't like writing articles about Google and Microsoft. They would rather be seen as curators of small little discoveries, companies that people haven't heard of. Um, you know, that's why I think uh, Kickstarter campaigns often uh, get media coverage is because these are like curated little finds and gems that the media sort of uh, shares with their audience. And if you do uh, view a journalist as a gatekeeper, where they're protecting their audience and trying to determine what they would find interesting, you can sort of reverse engineer your messaging to make it more appetizing. Like what, what, uh, I I've got a product launch. So, I, you know, rather than it being all me, 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 and a list of features, what would make a story that a journalist would want to share with its readers? Well, you know, a use case study, like if one of the clients who used this new product beta tested it and achieves like say a 17% reduction in their cost as a result of it, that is more interesting than bullet points of your features. And so if you can sort of try to craft the, uh, the, the parts that they could build a story around, it makes it easy for them to do just that, like get a quote from that person as well and have that in the press release. Um, other things that work really well is I always tell people to mine your, uh, your employees and colleagues within your industry. Uh, it seems like whenever you go to a trade conference, you're always talking about things that are like, are you finding that all of a sudden people that used to pay in 30 days are now taking 80, 90 days? And they'll be like, yeah. And so that's a trend in your industry that's probably happening. And if you get in front of that and, uh, you know, issue a press release about that, uh, you can uh, probably get picked up in your trade publications. I had that work uh, many times. I call it identify blind spots or gaps where trade publications aren't really reporting about things that are happening uh, behind the scenes. And uh, those those are very effective. Um, the biggest uh and most successful type of press release that I advocate is doing a survey or study within your industry um, and send that out to, uh, to your industry. Uh, if you don't have the contacts, there are lots of trade associations in your industry. Pick the smaller and independent ones, uh, ideally ones that you belong to, but if not, just reach out and ask. Mention that you're uh, doing a survey, that you're going to be doing a press release over the wire, and you'll mention them in the press release. The smaller and independent trade associations never get media coverage. So they will see this as a win-win opportunity for them to get a little bit of uh, perhaps coverage that they normally see the large trade associations getting. So they'll share it with their members, often through email or social media. Sometimes you can get them to do both. And then you have hundreds of responses, if not more, for the survey 
What were the big takeaways? What were the surprises in that survey? And then you build a press release with the uh, most uh, interesting results and your thoughts and analysis as to why you think it's skewed a certain way, including a quote uh, or perhaps multiple quotes in the press release. And those are the easiest ones to get. You just want to make sure you're asking really relevant questions. Uh, you know, what are, what are things that are really timely right now? There's some economic uncertainty. So asking questions about your marketing spend over the next few quarters. Are you spending more or less? Have you stopped hiring? Are you still hiring? Are you you know dealing with hiring uh, trends or changes, people not wanting to work in the office any longer. Those are the types of questions that, uh, you know, depending on your industry could be really relevant as well as things that are a little more specific. Uh, but, you know, taking your industry's temperature right now gives data that the media was going to find really intriguing. And the, you know, I have clients that do surveys back to back, you know, almost quarterly, and they do mix up some of the questions, but some of the questions remain the same. And just over a quarterly basis, uh, the numbers can skew differently. And that makes interesting uh, results as well. So um, generally, those result in anywhere from six to 14 articles. Um, and, you know, that's a big return for you know doing some work and it doesn't have to be you know extremely difficult uh survey monkey makes it very difficult to, uh, easy to uh get your results it's not very difficult to build out a survey with them i like a four page survey so that if someone stops midway you've got 50 percent of the results and on that last page uh, you know you can afford to ask a few wacky or left field questions that you you know might feel offend or are weird. And surprisingly, we have our best success with some of those strange questions. And uh, we did one for our, an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania that had no web presence. They Their website was tied to the yellow pages and somehow, surprisingly, the yellow pages ended for them. And so they had a new domain name they had no links. They weren't ranking in their area when you did a search. And so an SEO guy came to me and said, how could we get auto industry trade links? Uh, and I was like, well, a survey is going to be the only way that an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania is going to get any recognition. And they were very hesitant because they were like, we're, we're not, we're just, we're just a little auto repair shop. And who are we to do a survey? And I'm like, you're, you're you're a presence and you're doing the survey so you're you're the author of the survey and so we did it um it was the the wacky question at the end where we just left the open field saying what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired and you know we had no statistical relevance we just compiled what we thought were the 50 most interesting responses and they went viral i mean the articles uh, and trade publications published that they some of them would publish just 10 or 20 um but it was very fun and it had a a virality to it. So newspapers picked it up, their local newspaper picked it up because I had warned them that this strategy may not reach their customers, but it certainly would reach uh, people who are you know, looking to, uh, to, to get out there to the media. Yeah, no question. And so interesting stories, surveys, surprising data, something that you might be an expert on or you can you know check in uh, you know with customers and clients and share those interesting findings those are going to be you know very positive uh, news stories that, that have the ability to go viral to be picked up by some of these bigger publications 
and a lot of benefits there. So if you have a great article, but how important is that headline? Like sometimes you might have a great uh, article, but if you don't have a good headline, are people going to click on it? So how important, what are some of the keys to crafting the right headline so that people actually click on it and take that next step? So the headline is the most important part of the press release. On the wire, it's streamed by the headline. And so whether a journalist decides to click through and read the article is because of the headline. So uh, you want the headline to be uh, interesting and intriguing, but often, you know, a good headline is kind of boring, but it's factual and it really condenses and and concentrates the, uh, you know, the, the newsworthiness or what you're announcing in a very succinct way. Um, What you don't want to do are the New York Post uh, pun type of headlines because they they are often intriguing, but there's no context. And so if I'm a journalist and I'm looking at my industry's feeds and I see something there that's weird, I'm not going to click on it. They're too busy for that. So uh, you're not writing for the end user. You're writing for a busy journalist. So anything you can do to put as much information and pack it in there as possible and get that across is going to give you a better chance of getting uh, media. So that being the the case, Mickey, are you saying that kind of a longer, more detailed headline that gives them an idea of what this is actually about is more important than kind of a short, catchy one that doesn't give very much context? Exactly. Exactly. Wow, that is super interesting. Super interesting. I think a lot of people, you know, common sense would have said, oh, it should be short and catchy, but no, it actually should be more more detailed and and relevant so that they actually know what and and are justified and feeling like they're going to give their time and click on it. It's exactly the opposite of email marketing. In my email marketing, I make my headlines short. Uh, you know, sort of yeah. questioning, like, what's going on Curiosity here? Let me click based. through, right? Yeah. And uh, it's just the opposite with the media. That is fascinating, guys. Huge value bomb right there uh, that Mickey uh, just dropped for you. So so make the case in terms of the benefits. You've been doing this uh, 24 years. I've obviously used uh, these services. They can be very powerful. You know, how can we document some of these benefits for a small business owner whose budget is maybe a little bit limited, but they kind of know that this could be a good thing? You know, how is this going to benefit their business and and turn into more sales, especially because there's certain requirements, right? Like it can't be a sales pitch. It can't be a come over to our business. We've got a special here. It needs to be newsworthy to where a news organization wants to pick it up. And and so it has to be done in the right way. But how do you do it in such a way that you're actually going to get results tangibly for your business? Right. So um, when a journalist writes an article about a company, especially if it's sort of like a new company or new product, and they're sort of talking about it for the first time, uh, it does create this you know, goodwill where a lot of people will then if there's no link in the article, they'll go do a search and they'll want to do business with you. Um, I've I've had clients who said this article, it only gave us like 240 visitors from the article. But what we found is like we got 120 new customers from it. And I did just like, I don't know how a landing page could work like that. And I'm like, well, it's not a landing page. It's there's probably a lot more people who looked at the article, but didn't come from, you know, they didn't click beyond that. But the ones who did and were very engaged with the content wanted to do business with you based on that article. 
You know, it's like an implied endorsement that happened when a journalist writes about you. Uh, you know, they don't have to have the blinders on of, do I trust this company? You know, uh, are they legit? You know, is this a product that I'm just going to get and be disappointed in? Uh, you know, a lot of those barriers just disappear. And, uh, you know, it, it does convert extremely well. These customers tend to not use coupons. They generally don't price shop. Uh, they, they really are ideal customers and they will be remain loyal to you because they've got this relationship and this goodwill that's invested in it. Um, other things that you can do is you can then take that article and share it with your uh, audience, you know, share it with your customers, share it more importantly with your leads. There are a lot of people that are always in the leads pipeline who are on the fence about whether they're going to work with you. Probably 20, 30% will eventually shake out and do business with you, but 70% never will. You can probably move that to, you know, 50% or better uh, just by sharing this, because if they see that article, they click through, they read it, you know, some of their barriers are going to fall as well, and they're going to be more likely to do business with you. And so, you know, I, it, it's so interesting sometimes from customers that, you know, these small little publications that that pick up drive a lot of sales to them. And so it really can be effective. Uh, there's also the added benefit of getting links, uh, you know, SEO for your company, yes. because these are original Google, right? These are original articles, and they're not like duplicate, you know, there is syndication that happens of press releases, but that doesn't really convey any SEO benefit. That's where the same press release appears on multiple websites. But, you know, when a journalist writes an article about you, that's original content. Sometimes they don't link to you, but Google says they give you value as if there is a link. Google has a patent uh, for an implied link so that if they can contextually tell that this article is about you and your company is mentioned, that that still conveys the value as if it was a link directly to your website. So you, you have this article, you've made it about uh, a story, a customer, client, something interesting or a survey, something interesting that you find out how specifically... Because sometimes you can't even mention your your company name in the article. Maybe you can, but are you able to put your link down below? Are you able to put you know your picture name by? Like what what is it you're able to kind of put in these articles so that people actually easily could find your business? Right. So generally, in a press release, you you definitely include a URL. A lot of places don't. There we go. Don't publish the URL. Uh, online places generally do, uh, yeah. but like the New York Times and Washington Post and Wall Street Journal rarely ever include a link to uh, a, a website, even if they're talking about a product or a website. I have seen the exception where if you have a resource page for a survey you did and you put all of the questions and answers there and you build that page as a huge resource, I have seen both the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal uh, preserve links to those. So again, that survey okay. thing I said can be a loophole in which you can potentially or possibly get that link to your website. May not be your homepage, but it is a page to your website, and that does matter over time. Uh, you know, and other things that you can include is up to two images. They could be photos, um, logos. I I I don't see the logos as being great, a great thing to do. I think more candid shots of your product or service, uh, the candid ones work better. 
Uh, the media really does respond to multimedia because they're publishing these articles online. And if they're looking at two potential articles and one has images and the other one doesn't, they're going to probably use the one that does have images because they know that that will uh, enhance the article and make uh, you know their visitors respond to the photo or image. And as a result, they're more likely to read and drive more traffic. So uh, you know, do take advantage of 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 being able to include uh, photos. Um, there's usually a media contact that you publish for the media. So if they have questions or anything like that, but journalists don't like to contact you. So uh, try to include as much relevant information as possible. If you have other pages on your website that are full of data and information, for example, even a newsroom, include a link to that um, and you know, sort of about, about you, but make sure you have uh, you know, yourself really covered. A lot of people use a boilerplate towards the end of the press release, which is an about section where you sort of uh, recycle and use that same paragraph or elevator pitch about your company, who you are and what you're about right there at the end that you recycle again and again. And so it gives them a really easy way to just understand who you are and what you're about. And what about uh, video content, adding a, you know, a YouTube uh, embed in there and, and popping a video in there that really actually is connected, hopefully completely about uh, the story that you're uh, posting? Uh, how effective can that be? I see a lot of people doing that. And the, the Newswire is encouraging people to do that and charging okay. a little bit extra for embedding yeah. that. Oh, but yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of media utilizing the content. And I think that right it's mostly now, mostly text, but an image helps, but video not so much. Yeah, and I think it's because thinking? I think it's because the media doesn't know how to use these videos. Like, can we yeah. just take this video that's on YouTube and splice it up and create our own B-roll or our own video footage? Yeah. I, I think well, that, that, and they that, want to keep people on the the site, right? right. If they click away to it, then maybe. Right. But but if it's embedded, I mean, it's just right there. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it 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 hasn't been utilized as much as, as I thought it would be. I yeah. do think that that's where we're going, and I think we're going to see video playing a larger component. I think potentially uh, building out stories through video is probably where we're going to be in ten years, but we're not there yet. Yeah, no, no question about it. So, for you know, small businesses out there that are looking to grow. Um, you know, one of the keys I think to anything is is consistency. How consistent uh, should they be putting out a press release? Like you said, you don't want a press release about, oh, I just hired a new employee. That's not really newsworthy. But what is a good strategy in terms of how often to kind of push out a press release? And and you know, obviously it depends on you creating the the right story or the right survey that that's going to be newsworthy, but but what's a, what's a good uh, strategy there in terms of doing it regularly? Because obviously you do it once, you may or may not have the result you want. You do it over and over again and you keep improving and you learn from what worked, what didn't the previous time. I think your odds for a lot more success are a lot higher. Correct. And so what we see a lot is people will do one press release, nothing happens, and then they move on and cross press releases off their list. If you are going to do press releases, you have to do a PR campaign. And generally that's six to eight press releases and you want each one to be on a specific different topic or approach. And yeah. so, uh, you know, and that way 
you can really take a good snapshot of trying different approaches to see if your industry will respond. And ideally- What about time frame? If you're doing six to eight, uh, what time frame are you doing those in? I work with a lot of small businesses. So for them, it's hard to do more than say one a quarter. So if you're doing six, it's yeah. like a year and a half. I have some Makes really sense. smaller startups that are really super focused and are doing one a month. And so okay. I say, you know, take pick a schedule that works for you. Um, I know that entrepreneurs and small business owners wear a lot of hats. And so it's hard to get stuff done and be able to, to do it on a, a very regular basis. So I say, find the the schedule that works for you and, and go forward there. I will say that I don't recommend doing like one or twice a year because it's there is a momentum that you get. The more you're out there in the press, the, the easier it does get for pickup because they'll contextually see the previous press releases when they do research on you and it makes them, you know, gives them more data and stuff to look at. So I, I do think that you lose some of that momentum when, when you really don't do them often enough. Um, you know, and that being said, uh, you know, stick to different types of releases that work very well. Um, you know, I mentioned the survey and study. Uh, I mentioned, you know, being authentic and owning your own story. Um, there's approaches where you can sometimes be the friendly jerk, aka the contrarian in your industry. Uh, what people don't realize is that they, a lot of people do what they call you know, sort of newsjacking, where they join a trend that's going on in your industry. And often, you know, there's hundreds of others joining the same trend. And so your pickup results are very unlikely to happen. But if everybody is saying one thing, and you're the one person who raises your hand and uh, sends out a release saying the opposite, you stand a very high likelihood of getting picked up in every article on the subject because journalists want to be fair and balanced. And if you are giving a reasonable argument against something that's popular, every time they report on that popular subject is an opportunity for them to plug you in as the counterpoint to that. And you know, that all subjects do not lend themselves to this because you never want to take a stance that's going to alienate you with your customer base. But sometimes there are ways and things that aren't really you know, that controversial for your industry. Um, and an example I always use is, you know, it seems like everybody, every article I see about electric cars is like how they're going to save the environment and they're just amazing. But if you're the contrarian, you might say, hey, not so fast. We haven't solved how we're going to dispose of these batteries and, you know, the environmental hazards of that. Uh, the minerals that are currently used in batteries are mined in a way that's not environmentally friendly, and the labor is often done by children. And so maybe we should slow down and take a, a more, uh, you know, a cautioned approach and try to find alternative batteries and things like that that might work in a different way. You, you come across as being reasonable. And yet you're saying something that no one else is sort of saying right now. And that makes it very likely for you to be plugged in. Yeah, no, no question. So one of the strategies uh, with marketing that smart marketers use is we've learned, hey, you should do an A-B test, right? You should test one, one version one way, another version another way, and kind of figure out which one's going to get the, the most results and maybe continuously kind of do that. So how would that work? And, and what's kind of a case study example you think? 
of where, hey, I'm going to do a, a, a press release this way. This is my A test. And then my next one, three, two or three months later, is going to be totally different B. Like what would be kind of an example you think of where you could test, you know, two different versions of uh, a news release to see what might do better? Right. So the example I would use, it's not a true A-B split test where you're just changing, say, the headline or something like that. But when you do a survey or study, you're trying to flesh out what two or three big aha moments were in, in the survey. And uh, you may not pick the ones that are the most interesting. Uh, so uh, you, you, you go back to the survey and you look at the, the, the questions that you didn't include in the press release because you only picked two or three to talk about. And yeah. uh, you, 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 take, you pick out some other ones and say, is, could there be a story here? And uh, sometimes it might be sharing the survey with colleagues and other people in your industry and say, this is what we focused on in our press release. What would, you know, do you feel like there's something else in here based on these results? And sometimes they'll say, I think this is really interesting, you know, that, that in this question, when it came to, to this subject, that so few people responded positively to it. And I think yeah. that given what's going on in the industry right now, insert subject matter now, that you could sort of talk about that. And so uh, a second press release on the same survey, focusing on a different question or a different series of questions is something that's been very effective. Uh, I had clients who ha uh, published the resource page with all the questions and answers, and they got three or four articles written about questions that weren't even in the press release, but they were on that resource page. And obviously the journalists went did the research, looked at the, the page and found something that they thought was more interesting. And I always say, jump on that and try to do a press release on those because obviously the media is responding very well to that. Uh, I think those are some of the best things to do. I think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, outside of that, I think that you would be better off spent doing strategic different releases than focusing on taking the same topic and splitting it in two different ways. Because often A-B split testing is about language and, uh, you know, how, what the focus, the initial focus is on. And I think that for journalists, you know, that's important. But I think that for them, it's, you know, what's 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 the news angle? And if it's the same news angle and it's just told in a different way, I think it's unlikely that that's going to be a meaningful difference. And if you're spending money to go on a wire, just try something with new a new bait or a new hook, uh, completely new. And I think that that, you know, is it's what I would recommend. Uh, things that I see that work you know, again and again for people are, uh, you know, top 10 list in your industry, um, publishing predictions. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, it's too late now, but, you know, annual predictions, getting them out in November and December in your industry can be really interesting. It's content that's very easy for journalists to cut and paste and just utilize. And they do have a lot of filler material where there's space to, to feel. And if you have a top 10 list, that's really cool and has some thought to it. Uh, an analysis, then you stand the chance that, you know, that could get picked up. I, I say, you know, just make everything as easy for the media to digest and make it about you, but try to make it about you in a way that that's, makes you irresistible to the journalists and have them really want to be your advocate and share you with their audience. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. And then what kind of uh, length should these articles be? How many 
uh, words is kind of the sweet spot that gives you kind of the best chance of oh, that's that's the right length. And, and I'm sure you know when you're going through and you're you're putting the article in the system, it gives you some feedback. But what what do we see in these days in 2023 is kind of this is kind of the sweet spot range of of how many words an article should be. I think about 500 words is usually the sweet yeah. spot. Um, sometimes uh, a little less, sometimes a little bit more. Uh, but I find that, that if you have a boilerplate, you know, and everything, 500 words seems like a good good amount. Gotcha. 500 words. Super impressive. Well, I think the audience at this point, Mickey, is listening, learning and saying, all right, great. I see how this can pay dividends. This can be beneficial for my business. This can bring attention, credibility, help my search results. And they're thinking, cool, what's what's the next step, Mickey? How can I get this process started? Um, should I just write my article first? Uh, do I need should I? You know, how can I connect uh, with your team, with your your program, with e-releases? Like, what's the best way to do this? I think for anybody that's new to press releases, um, I have a free masterclass called uh, oh, about uh, building strategic press releases. You're uh, build a campaign of, of press releases that work like nice. the survey and study one. I think that's a good place to start. It's less than an hour, uh, but uh, it really should give you. Uh, a lot of ideas of press releases you could be doing about your company. And these are the types of press releases that are meaningful and strategic and stand a chance of getting pickup. So many That's people. Perfect. Write, Where, where's the class at? <laughs> it's at e-releases, it. e forward slash plan P L A N. Wow, and uh, it's completely free. And I'm hoping to get more of my customers through that training as well, because, you know, the releases that we get are often not, you know, earth shattering. Not They're not, yeah. yeah. And so if you're going to spend money to go out over a wire, try to do it with, with ammo that's going to work. And I, I think that it, it, it's, it's counter because so many people almost write the press release as an afterthought. They look at someone else in their industry who wrote a press release and they sort of mirror that in and make it apply to their company. And I tell you that the, the press release they took it from probably didn't get media pickup and, and neither will they. No question, guys. So, so again, guys, this is not a passive podcast. This is a podcast where we learn and take action. That's where the results come from. So you want to go to ereleases.com. Pretty easy to spell ereleases.com forward slash plan. There's a free masterclass there uh, where Mickey and who is the expert 24 you know years have been of doing this is going to instruct you and it's probably the way you should do it instead of just writing it and hoping it works out go through the class figure out what strategically is going to get you results and now the odds of success have increased tenfold so that's ereleases.com forward slash plan and then as there is they're kind of doing that going through the class um, I assume it's going to give them ideas of what the right news article should be that they should be right. Absolutely. It, it will, it will give them the seeds for building out the types of press releases that do get media pickup routinely. Um, and, uh, it, it will help get you away from the noise of the types of press releases that people normally do that aren't very meaningful. And sometimes they get a little bit of pickup, but most of the time they don't. Perfect. Well, again, you guys, that's ereleases.com forward slash plan. A lot of value bombs. Mickey, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. 
Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.